Alrighty. Ready to go? I'm ready. All right, let's jump into it, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is number one, episode one of the Gospel Submission. It's exciting. It's nice to just start something new. So, my name is Joel. And I'm Matthew. All right, so... Listen, we're we're just kicking. If you like talking about culture and you love a little wrestling, yeah, you're probably gonna like this podcast. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So, first things first, let's talk some wrestling, man. Like we yeah. watched the Royal Rumble together, and it was amazing. It was a good pay per view. Like I would have to say, like WWE threw down on yeah. that pay per view for real, for real. So, what were some like the highlights for you? Well. I think from bell to bell, yes, it was an amazing event. It was for me the the best pay per view in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, my favorite moment was the uh, the Logan Paul Ricochet uh, yeah. mid air collision. I don't think I've ever seen that. I've never seen that, and I don't know if you remember. Like, I did call it. Mm-hmm. When they were both standing on opposite ends of the ring, holding the ropes, looking at each other, I'm like, they are going to springboard off of those ropes and collide in the air. <laughs> and sure enough, that's what they did. And I also remember saying at the time that, to me, that was almost as epic as uh, Edge's spear on, I think it was Jeff Hardy. Yeah. Off that off huge ladder. ladder. Yeah. Yeah, it's up there. And I think it's up there because... One, you haven't seen that before. Two, just in a Royal Rumble, just to be able to say, we're just going to do something so crazy. And it wasn't like they went for a drop kick or a, or, or a forearm. They were literally just jumping and throwing their bodies into each other. Yeah. Like, that was amazing. And to even see something like that out of Logan Paul. Yeah. Like, Ricochet, I, I can get. Because, like, I've seen him on the internet. I saw him uh, at Lucha Underground. Mm. Like, well, I know what he can do. He's amazing and extremely athletic. But Logan Paul, he's shown like he can he can go. Like he has some athletic, you know, he's got some springs in his legs to be able to yeah. do something like that. He's got prowess. <laughs> right? Um, I, so another thing that I really enjoyed, um, the whole men's Royal Rumble, it kept me engaged the whole time. Yes. From bell to bell of that for sure, engaged. Um and I think they made the right decisions on who won the Rumble for the men and the women. I agree. I think Cody needed to win it. Uh, yes, there could have been other people, but realistically, Cody's on a mission, and everyone knows that's Cody's mission. You're not going to bring Cody Rhodes from AEW back. He's arguably one of the most recognizable names right now. Everyone's watching it. Yeah. So he comes back, he has to win the Royal Rumble and has to go to Mania. What else are you going to do with him when he's healthy? That makes no sense. And Rhea Ripley, like organically through the mommy thing that she's been yeah. doing with with um, with Dominic, I think people just like her now, even though she's like a heel, but people yeah. like her now. I think it makes the most sense for her to have her Mania moment. Now, is she going to win or lose? I don't know. But... I don't see any other woman in the division that deserves that spot more than her right now. Yeah, I agree. And she chose Charlotte for Mania. Yeah, she did. And I I don't trust WWE to do what I want 
them to do, mm. which is to put the title on Rhea. Yes. Now, I say that because we're just coming into this new like era with, with Triple H at the helm, and we can obviously see the massive difference in creativity and story yes. writing. Massive. So I'm wondering if they won't just stick with their, you know, what they're guilty of, which is just being pragmatic and yeah, 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 keeping yeah, the yeah, strap yeah, yeah. on whoever they think is best. Yes. And, and that's the thing. Like, you want to, in my mind, when you have championship matches, especially at the biggest pay-per-views like SummerSlam, WrestleMania, there should be a who is going to win. Like, here's the reality. Kevin Owens was facing off with Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. We knew Kevin Owens was not taking the strap. That's right. A hundred percent. If that changed hands, then it would just been like, what is going on? But we knew Roman Reigns is not going to lose. Um, and that's another high point with the whole storyline with. Yeah. Oh, gosh. which I think we should like spend some time at. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'll say this quick and then we'll go. We'll talk about that. So I think going to WrestleMania, seeing Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns, I can actually say I don't know who's going to win that. Like, it yeah. makes sense to say, I, I'm not sure. Maybe Roman would keep it, but if there's anyone that has the momentum, that's it's believable that I think the people would want to see beat Roman, especially with the crazy heel he has right now, mm. it's probably Cody. It makes yeah. the most sense. So, back to Roman. But just let me ask you a question about Okay, that. okay, okay, go ahead. Do you think they want to just, like, switch... Like, make the title switch hands? Have the title switch hands? Like, right away? Don't you think they're going to want to cash in on that? For, like, pay-per-view after pay-per-view? Which I hope they don't do, because I lose interest really quick with that. I Personally, as a fan, I'd rather have it flip-flopping, like, going to Cody than going back to Roman, like, once or twice. Mm. Rather than... What they did with Braun Strowman years ago is they led you on like Braun was going to be the monster among men. He was going to take that strap and run with it for like forever. Who, who was that guy that had that long title reign? Like uh, Bruno San Martino? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I thought, okay, they're going to push him like that and mm. he's going to be unbeatable. And then all of a sudden they just, you know, moved on from him. And I think it was like yeah. locker room stuff. And I get all that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But they teased it for so long that I lost interest. And I just hope they don't do that. And I don't think they can. I mean, Cody is an exceptional talent. Yeah. And um, I used to hate Roman. Now I really love Roman. If it, if it, it's true. And here's the thing with Roman, um, especially with his character development going into this storyline of the tribal chief, they did that stuff with Roman, with the teasing and kind of like, oh, we know he's gonna he's gonna be the next guy, and they're just like moving and moving. It's like, oh gosh, like. We know he's the next guy, but he's right. not ready. So I think when he came back um, during COVID, when it was he, he, you know, he was dealing with his leukemia, got over it. The guy that started that run, it's like we know he's different. He actually felt like he's ready now. Yeah, and I think with wrestling, it's interesting because usually the champions are picked before they're actually ready then their journey is them getting ready. Yeah. And then they actually cash in and like they're the guy in that time versus Roman. He kind of had to like develop while he was the guy. 
versus developing while becoming the guy. Yeah. Um, which I find you, you saw much more in like older eras that you knew, okay, John Cena, he felt like he was going to be the guy because of the type of TV time he was getting him, but uh, WWE was giving him, but he had the U S championship. He made the spinner belt. Like he became that guy over time versus Romans. Like they gave him the ball and it's like, you need to run now. Yeah. And kind of bringing it full circle that they were hoping he would be a baby face. No one likes him. Then he kind of became this like cool, badass kind of character. And then now it's like everyone loves uh, Sami Zayn and then what Roman did to him. Like, yeah. 50,000 people were saying F Roman Reigns. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. Like, he has full heat now. Like, and that's one thing I think WWE has not created, like a legitimate vitriol for somebody. Yeah. Um, comparatively to like AEW that they got that vitriol for MGF or some other people. Mm. So I think it's interesting to see that to create Roman having that vitriol going into WrestleMania. Anyways, what do you think about that? Yeah. So first thing I want to point out about that crowd chant. Yeah. I always am fascinated with how that comes about. Mm-hmm. Okay, when mm-hmm. I started watching wrestling about six or seven years ago, um, that was not something I was used to hearing in earlier eras of wrestling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think with Stone Cold and the Attitude Era, there was some call and response with some of the superstars, but nothing like the audience just kind of taking over yes. and like being so audible. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah, know yeah, what they're yeah, saying, right? Yes. But what was amazing about that F Roman chant was I'd never heard that before. Like you hear like, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, okay, if you see something cool and, and you start chanting it, like you know it's going to catch on. But like how did 50,000 people know to say that? And the reason they knew to say it is because Roman had so much heat. Yeah. Like everybody in that stadium Hated him. Yes. For doing that. And everybody. That is storytelling at its absolute finest. Oh. And I thought that was absolutely amazing. I loved the angle that they were playing. Um, like Roman kind of went from like tribal chief mm-hmm. to tyrannical dictator. Yes. You know, within that run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what he was like wanting Sammy to do and, you know, prove your loyalty to me. And like, to me, it was just, it was more than what I would imagine like a tribal chief doing and being and saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, okay, we've moved into the realm of this is a tyrannical dictator and you're either going to love him or hate him. You're going to, you're going to be a sycophant and like fall all over him Mm -hmm. or you are going to do what, I forget his name. Jay or Jimmy? The, oh, the one that walked out? Yeah. That's Jay. Jay. Like, him walking away was like the, the juxtaposition of you're either going to fall all over this guy and do whatever he says or you're going to, like, leave him behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was amazing, too. I did not see that break coming. That little crack in the foundation of yes. this faction. Because to me, they seemed unstoppable, like the Shield did. Yes. It's always... Inter- it's the, 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 the best... Factions, it's an internal turn. Something yes. happens internally. 
Um, and I think those are the best stories because that's usually what, when things are unstoppable, it looks like no one externally can beat this faction, can beat this team. It's like something happens and everyone's got to make a decision. And, it's, and just even the storytelling with like Jay hating Sammy. Yes. And then eventually Sammy wins him over. And then Sammy doesn't like what's happening, turns on Roman, and then Jay leaves because he doesn't want to beat up this. It's like, oh, the story. Because now, obviously, it's the what are we going to do about the Jay? What are we going to do about the tag team titles now? That's right. Because they're in peril. It's in, they're not on the same page. Yeah. Now, also, one thing that's been slowly brewing do you notice when everyone's holding up the ones, um, Solo, the youngest brother, right. he never puts his one up. He never. No, I've never seen that. Yeah, he never puts his one up for acknowledging the tribal chief. So I'm okay. curious. I, I feel like he's the enforcer, and who knows? Maybe it could just be him. Like he doesn't acknowledge anything. But I wonder if like the, it's going to be like a total like falling away, and then like Roman is like the only guy left. Yeah. And it's just like he's stripped and then he just starts going crazy. And then hopefully, if you smell. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? We, we need The Rock to come back and put him in his place. That would, yeah. To me, that would be perfect. Roman loses the, t- the titles at, at the and He just starts going crazy, interfering with people's matches, going off. Yeah. And then he won't listen to the tribal leaders. He's just becoming more and more violent. And then we need The Rock to come and put an end to him at SummerSlam. Oh, that would be amazing. That's great. Right? I should be booking, man. Like, yeah, you should be booking. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay, so we talked a lot about the highlights yes. of the Rumble. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of them. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, bell to bell, mm-hmm. it was an amazing match. Buy or sell, the 2023 Royal Rumble was the best Rumble of all time. Mm. By meaning... Yes, it was, or sell meaning, no, there was a better one. I think I'm going to have to buy that. I think so, too. Let me, put, let me put the asterisk. It's the best Royal Rumble I have ever seen. All time, maybe some people are like, are you kidding me? Because maybe people had their favorite guy win, right? Right. But here's the thing. It's like the Royal Rumble matches, the actual who won in those matches, the singles matches, the storytelling at the end, how they left you. Yeah. Because like, so, how many times have we watched WWE pay-per-views? And at the end of the show, you were like, what the heck was that? Like, you're like or that's it? Yeah. You're just like, what? the end of that pay-per-view left you like, I need to watch Raw and I need to watch SmackDown. Like, Absolutely. I need to see what's going to happen next. Like, to me, that's what pay-per-views are supposed to do. It's supposed to continue the storyline, um, especially the, when they're not the big ones. Like, WrestleMania and SummerSlam, that's when you end storylines. But the other pay-per-views are where you continue the storylines, especially uh, the Royal Rumble is meant to kind of catapult you into WrestleMania season. So, to me, I, I would say it's the best. Yeah. I would say it's the best of all time. I yeah. would agree. I would I'll buy say, that. I you, would buy that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. What about uh, any lowlights? Hmm. I would definitely say low light, but I understand why they did it, is the amount of new faces they brought in for the Women's Royal Rumble. Yeah. It was tough because, like, there wasn't people I recognized. 
there wasn't any major spots. Like some of the women, these women would come in and just like kick two people and then like fall on the ground. It's like, yeah, no, you, I, you in those moments you need to come and make a splash. Like, oh, I don't know, who, like come, get on the rope, jump off someone, hit everybody, like make a moment so people even if you get eliminated, it's like you came and made a moment. Oh, like I forgot what the girl in the red, her name was. Oh yeah, yeah, the one we wanted to see more of. Yes. She's from NXT. I'll never remember it. Yeah. We'll 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 see. We we can't remember it now, but maybe next episode we'll we'll bring up her name. But like the way she moved in the ring, all her hits, it was stiff, it looked mm. good. It was like, oh, who's this person? Like just you can just tell she's a good wrestler. Um so I think that's the thing, like I wish I saw a bit more of. Like example what we brought up was the Logan Paul situation. Like Logan Paul jumped off the, the, yeah. the, 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 the ropes. He made a moment, right? So to the point that when you talk about the rumble, every, everyone's talking about that, you know? So I wish I saw more. I think that would be a low light, just the lack of moments in the women's Royal rumble and the amount of new faces. Um, and it, I guess it's, if there was new faces, but they made like crazy spots and a crazy impact, it probably wouldn't be as bad. But I think that's probably my my low light. What about you? Well, first of all, I'm looking at the roster. Okay. Of the participants, and I don't see that girl's name for whatever reason. The women's Royal Rumble. Yeah, the women's Royal Rumble. The one. What was her name? I don't know, man. Um. I was like, I'll know it if I see it. Oh, Zoe Stark. Oh, Zoe, Zoe Stark. Stark. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was good. Yeah. She was really good. Just the way she moved. It was yeah. like, oh. Yeah. She worked hard. She worked stiff. She she was believable. Yeah. Like, she looked like she was hurting people. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Uh, I got a couple of lowlights and they're unfortunately all to do with um, the women's division. Yeah. But I don't like Bailey. I don't like that character. I don't like that Karen haircut they got. I don't like her little sycophants running around. So that whole that whole part of that women's rumble match where they were eliminating everyone and like waving by and like teasing them. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It it's a bit of humor, but I didn't like that. I also I like to see the champion at least make some type of appearance. Like I wanted to see Charlotte. Yeah. And Nia Jax, come on, <laughs> come on! Oh, that's so funny. What, what were they expecting? Were they expecting like a huge pop and like the crowd to go crazy? And I have no idea. I think it was much more of like an unexpected thing. But here's the thing: it's like there's some people that leave that you know if they come back, everyone's gonna be like, "Holy, oh my gosh, they're back." Um, I honestly think like Awesome Kong would have gotten a bigger pop then, because mm-hmm. if Awesome everyone knows who Awesome Kong is, she comes through, everyone's gonna be like, oh shoot, what's gonna happen? Nia Jax is like, we know you're not gonna win it, and like I don't know if anyone missed Nia Jax. No, no, that's why she just no. got like a little oh, and you saw everyone just like it's funny you see some of the cameras like pick up on the <laughs> some of these people and they're just like confused like yeah, why is she here? But yeah, I guess she is back. Hopefully, she doesn't hurt no more people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Hopefully she doesn't hit, hurt no more people. That's that's the hope. But we'll see. Yeah, so it was a great rumble. I look forward to uh, Elimination Chamber. I think that'll be fun. I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. And uh, until then, we'll just talk about some other uh, wrestling stuff. Yeah, this is good. No, this is good. So I know you talked about seeing like an interesting commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, what yeah. was that commercial about? So I was watching, I think it was CBC Gem. Okay. I don't know what I was watching on CBC Gem, but I was watching it. And this ad came up. It was kind of promoting their new TV show lineup. And um, the, the tagline at the end of the commercial was, it's not how Canadian you are. It's who you are in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so that it caught my attention mm-hmm. because I'm always I'm always on the lookout for what 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 talking point are they trying to promote or what agenda are they trying to push. Mm. And so I saw this and I'm like of course we can't be Canadian anymore. We have to be individuals in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm kind of sad that the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation is running ads saying it's not about how Canadian you are, but who you are in Canada. I feel like we're losing our national identity. And like I said to you earlier, I, I know we're not a melting pot. I don't, I know that there's downsides to like trying to assimilate people into one culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the part of our Canadian identity that is diverse yeah, and multicultural, multi-ethnic. However, I feel like there should be something collective that we identify as. Yeah. And I just feel like the fractioning of our society is 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 not good yeah so i was looking up some more information on this ad before we started recording and i found this article on um the hollywood mm-hmm. and it's titled cbc execs talk inclusive storytelling to reflect a changing canada and the main quote from the article is we have to double down on inclusive storytelling we had to make sure that we're doing it and so like in principle i don't disagree with with this concept but it begs this one question i'd like to get your take on it yeah of course is diversity equity and inclusion nothing more than a marketing gimmick now Mm. like is it being cashed in on Mm. Like what I believe may have started as a grassroots movement to bring awareness or representation. Has it just become a marketing gimmick? Because as I read through this article, all I hear is CBC saying, we want a bigger audience. We want to reach more people. And I feel like they're just trying to find the most, I don't know, what's that word? They're just trying to find the most outlandish sort of, like for example, like they have a show, I forget what it's called here, I can look it up, but anyway, yeah. the show is based on a trans Muslim woman living in Toronto. 
It's like, but does that, like, I mean, somewhere in this world, I'm sure that there's a trans Muslim person, but like, how many to the point where we need to use taxpayer dollars to tell that story? Mm, no, I get what you mean. Like, I have a lot of thoughts about this. And so here's a few things. This is just human nature. Human beings don't connect with other human beings that they have nothing in common with. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about fracturing Canada, here's the reality. The immigrants that are coming here, they're not inter they'll send their kids to the schools. They'll send their kids to the universities. They'll even go work at the jobs where other people might not, you know, of other cultures might not be there. But their life, they're not going to stop speaking their language that they came here with. They're not going to stop talking to their friends that, that they know back home or that they've developed it. Like people stick with people where they're at. Mm -hmm. I think people usually self-segregate. The only people that don't normally self-segregate is the second and third generation immigrants. Right. So like their kids and their their grandchildren usually are a bit more they jump into the melting pot. And here's the reality. Canada does have a culture and that culture you don't really see it on that very like western ideology and all that. You don't really see it until like their second generation like these immigrants kids and mm -hmm. like they come here and their kids may be like two when they come here. But by the time they get to university, it's like, yeah, they might know some of the home language. But the way they think, they do not think like how their parents thought from where that they think like a westernized Canadian. But I think um, the whole inclusivity thing is 100 percent because of dollars. Yes. Why is because the market tries to follow where people are at. So if the conversation is very political, right? Everything is political and the politics is all about how do we include somebody? How do we how do we um make sure our lifestyle, our work, everything is equitable? We got to make sure that we have a system that there is zero people that can feel left out. We have to bend it so everyone can feel included. And the reality is what happens is when you start bending rules so every single person can be included as good as the intention they might they might be like they're not they're trying to see what they can do when you bend that you're going to exclude someone else that's Always. just the way it works like if you say there's some people that like chocolate some people that like vanilla so you can say we're going to create rules that help uh, or include people that like chocolate and vanilla and one person's like, I actually don't like either. I like strawberry. Okay, well, then we'll bend the rule for this. But then the person, people that like chocolate are like, why are you doing this? Like, this is bad. We don't like this. Mm -hmm. We don't want strawberry in here. Well, we have to make strawberry in here. Well, we that like chocolate don't feel welcome here now. Right. So, well, what do you do with that? So what happens is this, if the strawberry voices are loud enough then they're going to be like, well, it seems like these strawberry voices have a bigger, stronger voice than the people with chocolate, which is not the truth. They just have the loudest voices mm -hmm. and they're willing to say the most aggressive things. So I think that's what's happening with Canada. A very small pocket of people say these are the kind of rules that are needed. They sound like it's the biggest voices. So what they're going to do is bend all their 
structures and their marketing ideas towards that. But here's the thing. The second those voices change, mm-hmm. you're going to see a change in the marketing because they're going where the people are. I don't think these corporations have a heart that they're trying to actually include people. They're trying to make sure that they target a certain demographic yeah. so they can make the kind of money that they want. Yeah. And I do agree. I don't, I, Canada's never been a melting, melting pot. It's always been a place that you come, um, so you can make a better life for yourself. Yeah. Um, versus America, you come make a better life for yourself, but you're going to be American while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. That is the difference between America and Canada. But to say that somehow we don't have a culture, it's like, no, we very much do. And this is how I can tell. Most people that work in those corporations that they're actually advising, they're not bringing in people that only speak a little bit of English and say, like, what do you love about Canada? What Most of them, what they love about Canada is the fact that they're not getting killed. Yeah. The fact that they, they can at least get a decent job, that they can their kids can have a great opportunity to go to school. Yeah. That's why they love Canada. They don't love Canada because it's inclusive and because the, anyone can do what they want. Most of these immigrants, a lot of the things that the Canadian government's pushing, most of them would disagree. Yeah. So it's it's like it just tells you it's just a it's just a language. They don't really know the people that they're talking to. And here's the thing, when you actually go to a lot of immigrant households, like my parents are immigrants, the content that they watch they don't look at it and say, wow, I don't see any Caribbean people here. I don't see any black people here. You know what they do? They watch their entertainment from back home. Right. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you about. Yeah. Like, how important do you think representation is in storytelling and media and things? It's only representation only really matters to second generation immigrants that have a westernized ideology. Um, and they have an identity issue that they're looking for themselves um, in the culture. Because here's the thing. If I, if my parents were in the Caribbean, a lot of the people around in the Caribbean, like where my dad's from, is from Dominica. When you go to his, his hometown, you see black people. If I were to grow up there, I wouldn't have an identity issue. Right. I'm a Dominican. I'm with other black people. This is who I am. What happens now is when you come to a new new place, the culture in your house is different than the culture outside. Right. So now you have a dual culture thing that's going on. So, okay, this is the way that ha- things that happen in my house, but then I see things how they happen out here, but I also see different people that look like different things. It's like a bunch of different ideas being pushed together. And because there isn't a melting pot, like a you, everyone must do this, or this is the thing that actually connects all of us. That's deeper than just simply having a, the same um, citizenship. Because for us, this the citizenship for Canada means nothing, really. Right. Compared to America, it's like the citizenship of being American holds weight and also has certain values of like, these are American values versus Canada. We don't really have that. Um, so in that, that's when the identity issue comes up. So it's like, where else am I going to really know what it looks like to be a second generation immigrant black man? Yeah. Well, the biggest thing in a lot of millennials and Gen Z's lives now is entertainment. Yeah. Social media. So it's like, we want to see representation because we need 
a sense of how do we fit in to our society. Our parents won't teach us because as far as they're concerned, you are Caribbean or you are Indian or whatever. Like that's your culture. This is who you are. But you know that doesn't necessarily fit in the particular place that you're in now. And the particular place that you're in now does not give you an identity. So you have to find it. And the only way that you can find it is through social media and whatnot, because that's that's just where it seems like everybody gets their identity. So that's how all that works. Mm. That's so I think because there's a lack of identity, people are looking for identity. Hence, there's people are saying we want representation. We want to know what it looks like if the Little Mermaid was like a black girl. We want to know if uh, James Bond was a black man. We want to know um, what it would look like to have a, a blockbuster movie with a gay superhero. It's, right. it's like we need to force these things because like we can't be original and self-searching to figure out how I fit myself. I need an image to copy. Right. So if again, if you were in another country, you had those images to copy and there's no confusion. You just do that. Like, and that's how all humans are. There's no such thing as an original, unique human being. Right. Every single human being on the face of this planet looks out to their family and to society to figure out where they fit in. Yes. And they fit into that and that they survive and thrive in that. So that's what I would say with, with that. What do you think about that? Yeah. I think that's, I think it's an amazing take. It sheds light on something for me that I wouldn't have seen before. Mm. Especially the idea of the dueling cultures and, you know, the pressure of, you know, coming from inside your home, there's a particular culture or a language being spoken. Mm-hmm. But then you go out as, a, as an immigrant's child to school. Yes. And like you're seeing something completely different and expected to be different. Mm-hmm. So you can understand wanting to see what is it like to be of a certain skin color or ethnicity in this country. Yes. And to see that on a TV show or on a social media post or something. Mm-hmm. But what bothers me is how it has become so, it's, it's, I feel like it's become a marketing gimmick. Yeah, it's been hijacked. And I think, it's, I think that's, that's sad. Mm-hmm. The point you made about self-segregation was fascinating too. And I think playing off of that word segregation, I think it might be wise for us to change the word inclusive to the word like integration mm. in this in this sense you talked about how we can only relate to people through things that we have in common yes so if we're boiling people down to like their immutable characteristics and categorizing them that way mm-hmm then I feel that it's very hard for me to um, to have something in common with that other person. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep, it's true. But if we had, for example, even a national identity, like a collective identity, that we are certainly individuals in Canadian, we're a very di- in Canada, we're a very diverse population, but we do rally around 
the Canadian flag and our Canadian identity. We love this nation. Um, we love its geography, its people, its cities, its culture. And whatever you are in Canada, gay, straight, trans, black, white, Asian, whatever ca category you want to put yourself in, yeah, that at least we can have that in common. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like we're all then being integrated into a common identity, a common purpose, a common value. Mm -hmm. We may not all be Christian. We may not all be Muslim. We may not all be atheist, but yeah. we could find something. And I think, you know, one of those things could be food. <laughs> yeah. But like something just to rally around. I think, but, and here's the thing. If you look at other countries that have less social issues like we do, are homogenous people mm -hmm. so like over 80 percent of them are a particular skin color or they speak a particular language it's like that's just what you have like everyone is similar so there's something to grab onto but here's the problem and i think which is why it's so bad now is because canada does not have a particular identity but also the culture has tried removing those immutable values mm -hmm. and those immutable characteristics of people. Yeah. So example, um, men at a time, men and women had roles. There's certain spaces that were made for men and women and they can connect over those kinds of things. Um, some of those things still exist today, like the men's barbershop, you know, guys can go in there, get your hair cut and, and just shoot from the hip and just talk um, or a woman's salon those kind of areas but other spaces now because we're saying well men and women are some co construct that we created it actually doesn't sit on anything uh concrete then these spaces now are becoming more increasingly fractioned mm -hmm. so what happens is when we want to say okay what is a baseline thing that we can connect on a lot of people, because those baseline things that everyone in society, no matter what your faith is, no matter what your skin color is, we can connect on these things. Those have been eroded away because they've take, they've said there's no foundation for it. Hence, we don't need it. So now, what can we actually talk about? And also the fact that because there's nothing connecting us and we're so different, you can't actually speak on my experience. Well, because you are a straight white man, you cannot talk to a black, um, uh, black by women woman about anything in life because you have a whole different ideology, a whole different outlook. There's nothing we can connect on, so you can't speak on any of these issues. And it's like, no, I might not be able to speak about it from your perspective, right? But I can speak on these issues because I have a perspective. One, two, I live in this country. Yeah. And three, there's something that we can actually discuss. Like, that's the baseline. We can come from a baseline. We might disagree, but we can talk about the same issue. But because our culture has whittled these things down that we can't even talk yeah. about tough issues from a different perspective and disagree well versus saying we're not even gonna have the conversation or certain people aren't even allowed to talk then it's like yeah what are we going to what are we actually going to work together on 
that's why right now, especially in Canada, the increasingly uh, the ideology of like Western Canada and Eastern Canada is is getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, that the left and right split is becoming even more wide now. Like being a moderate is virtually like impossible, even though technically, statistically, most people are moderate. Yeah. They they take give and take from both sides. But most people um, are in that. But because the extremes are so loud and the cultural identity of we just don't talk is just it removes people out of the conversation. And then when it comes time to vote, like we saw in the Trump election, they just quietly vote. And then all of a sudden, the person that people that we say no one's a good choice, they end up winning. Yeah. It's like, how did that happen? It's because we don't talk. Right. And when I say my opinion, you just throw, well, because you're a male. Uh, like example, I'm a black guy, which might include me in some conversations, but because I'm a male, there's some conversations like I'm not even allowed to have. Right. So you exclude everyone that disagrees with you or is different than you, but somehow you want ev- you want to have a culture that's inclusive. Yeah. Like this is the big thing I see. It hasn't really happened to me all that much, but like it happens to my oldest daughter um, with her friends and the way that they communicate, especially through um, through Snapchat. Mm-hmm. So like, they'll they'll talk, they'll say something, and if and if you say something that your friend doesn't like, like they just block you, they delete you, they mm-hmm. unfriend you, mm-hmm. uh, unfollow you, and I'm thinking. So where's the conversation? Where's the inclusivity? Where's the open mindedness? And mm-hmm. if your if your argument is so good, why can't you hear a dissenting view? Exactly. Like I know for us as Christian, as Christian men. Like if we hear a dissenting view on Christianity, we are so convinced on Christianity that like we have dis- we have discovered all the answers to reply to those dissenting views. Now yeah. that that doesn't mean we'll convince that dissenter exactly, but it's not going to change us, or it's not going to change our opinion of that person. Mm-hmm. I don't have to block them. I don't have to shut them up. No, but it seems like any dissenting view today, especially on the grounds of like race and diversity, uh, equity, inclusion. Like if you if you don't buy into that whole narrative, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Like that. You you have no value. You need to be shut up. You need to be pushed aside. And I just think that's. I think it's too bad. Yeah, it's. The reality is the. And that goes through this uh, whole thought process of the oppressors and the oppressed. And even scripture shows that even the people that were oppressed eventually become oppressors. Quick note is if for 400 years, the Israelites were oppressed by the Egyptians. Yeah. They come out, they fast forward, they go to the, they have their own land. Eventually, these oppressed people that were oppressed for 400 years started oppressing their uh, servants and the people that were in lower lower statuses yeah. classes than them human nature does not see how hey we're overshooting it here that if we actually want inc- inclusion which as you said is better integration is the better word but if we actually want this we have to have conversations with people that we disagree with yeah. and it can't just be well uh we're willing to just shut them up block them um uh what's it called uh, censor them, yeah. uh, cancel them, all these things just to get them to be quiet because what you're actually doing is you're creating a quote-unquote safe space 
But that safe space is a weak space because everyone that's in that particular thought process, no one thinks differently. Yeah. There's no nuance. And especially people in that community, they, they all they said is, well, we got to have nuance. We got to have nuance. If someone disagrees with you, it's better, like, let's fight it out. Let's actually work to see, like, is this idea, does this idea make sense? Yeah. If it does, then it'll hold up to the weight of scrutiny. But if you're not willing to scrutinize that idea and you're not willing to hold your idea to be scrutinized, mm. that means it's probably a very weak idea. Yeah. And the reality is we're seeing it now. It's ter- th- Their ideas are starting to turn on themselves that it's, like, for example, what's happening in British Columbia right now with crime. And yeah. we're starting to see it here in Toronto. Yeah. Just a few years, we're talking about defund the police without actual conversations on what defunding the police would do now maybe there are some areas in canada that are over policed that's fine maybe the amount of money that we're putting into policing is too much that's fine if those are good ideas let's critique it and come up with an actual solution to figure out what would it look like to maybe help the community have maybe some sort of volunteer programs that keep the community safe that the, the police supports and we don't need as much police in the area but what happens is you have people willing to acquiesce to this outcry, pull police fully out of these areas, and then they have this catch and release thing that the liberals put up yeah. that criminals can virtually cre- commit some pretty crazy crimes, book them, and then throw them back out on the streets. And it's cases that there's people getting arrested two and three times in one day. Yeah. Like, it's just the ideology is turning on itself. It doesn't make sense. It's not a good idea. Yeah. We we can test it through debate, but also we just we know this idea is not great because we're we've tested it by reality. We're doing mm-hmm. it. We defund the police. We take the police out of areas. Crime increases. More people are getting hurt. It's actually dangerous. How is that helping? And we're seeing it now with um, some of these schools in 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 the Toronto district. The crime is absolutely crazy now. Stabbings and like, so the the board's been saying we want, we need more police presence. We need more help, but no. But in order to be inclusive four or five years ago, they had to take all the police out of there. Exactly. Right? Because we're profiling because we are an inner city school or predominantly black, whatever, and we have police here. It looks as though we're only policing because there's a predominantly black population at this school. Mm-hmm. So let's get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Well, then the crime comes back because there's there's nothing to withhold it. Exactly. If that idea is good, it would withhold, it, it withstand scrutiny. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe at a time there was too much police presence. Okay. And there was profiling happening. Yes. I get it. I'm sure there was. But what we got to do then is figure out how do we leave without creating a vacuum that it becomes worse and then you have to bring in police presence even more than the first time. So it's how do you, the only way that works is if we're willing to cut, have the debates and get to the, the root of the problem and try to solve it. And both sides of the table need to be there. Yeah. But if it's just about slang and if it's just about sayings like, oh, you know, we got to be inclusive or we got to have new. It's like these buzzwords that we see on, on TikTok that we're saying so much and we have politicians that are saying and acting on it. And they're making decisions based on what you see on Snapchat rather than like the statistics, your your the people that have voted you taking polls in your area to figure out what is the best 
way using data using history yeah if you're going to do things like that then we're going to constantly end up in situations like this like example with trudeau and a lot of people on the left it's like do they actually have people that may be liberal but they come from different ideologies and different backgrounds to say like this is the best way we should do certain things probably not because all those people that have different opinions they get canceled yes so that is just it's a system that turns in uh, or an issue that turns in on itself which is why i think ultimately going back to that commercial i get what they're trying to get at and what they're trying to say but the reality is it doesn't work that way like example my wife her parents are nigerian they came here from nigeria their circle of friends are all nigerian mm -hmm. they might watch certain things whatever that might be western but they love african movies they listen to african music when you enter that house you're entering a small space that is okay this is a nigerian space this is they switch in between Yoruba, they switch in between uh, Igbo. So it's like they didn't come here and assimilate. Right. They didn't even come and integrate. They said, we have our clique, which came here with us from Nigeria, and that's what we hang out with. Most immigrants do that. The only time it's a problem is the immigrants, they have children, and they're trying to figure out themselves. That's where the actual issue is. And I think just putting it on TV doesn't help because there's not a standard for what is a good Canadian. Yeah. If there was a standard for what is a good Canadian, then you could have someone that is um, from the Caribbean that comes to the Canada. You can put, because there's a standard, just like with America, to them, whether we agree or disagree with what that standard is good or bad, Right. they have a standard. So you can have someone that is black and be a good American. You can have someone that's Chinese and be a good American. Like, we know what the stereotypical good American is. You can put anyone there so everyone can see themselves. This is how you be a good American. Here we don't. We just smash it all together and hope it all works. And we're going to be bringing in, what, half a million yeah. more immigrants? And it's just, yeah. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> no, there is incompetence at every level of government. Yeah. And human institution. Uh, I just wanted to point out before we go to our grapple with faith yeah i loved your uh comment on learning how to disagree well yes i think that is an art that has been lost yeah yeah like civil discourse uh and the ability to disagree well and then move on and find something in common that we can work towards collectively mm -hmm. as a culture i think we would do well to figure that out again to get back to that that was good mm -hmm. I, I i really uh, i have a fuller understanding of what might be going on behind that ad campaign mm -hmm. and it's definitely an ad campaign they're trying to make more money yes because i know for example if, if taxpayer dollars weren't subsidizing the cbc it would have been out of business years ago this is true <laughs> but there is something they're they're tapping into which i think is important and it was a great conversation thank you yeah of course so grappling with faith here's a question okay is christianity a cruel religion oh that's a good question is christianity a cruel religion i think this is something um 
there's a YouTube channel called Jubilee and they often have like different sides and they have different conversations or whatnot. Pretty cool channel on YouTube. But um, this, I've heard a lot of comments that they say, well, uh, well, Christianity doesn't like, uh, they think gay um, behavior is a sin. They think, you know, if you have sex and you're not married, it's a sin. Somehow they see it as this cruel thing. And of course, the most infamous uh, argument people like to bring up is the Crusades. At one time, the Christian Crusades happened. They were cruel. They were killing people. Christianity is a cruel religion. So what would we say to that? Well, I think it's certainly a matter of perspective. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you take something at face value, if, if you look at something, for example, like the Crusades, and you take it at face value, it would certainly appear to be a cruel religion. The only problem is that those of us who are Christians know that... Um, I wanna, I'm going from memory here. Alexander? Mm-hmm. He was obviously totally misguided. And though he said he was told by God to do this. Like, oh, uh, you mean Constantine? Constantine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Constantine. Um, obviously, he was not. Yeah. And that or he misunderstood the commission. Like mm-hmm. to conquer in this sign mm-hmm. and to see the Red Cross, to conquer in this sign. He he took his understanding of conquering to be like war. And, yeah, and the way conquest. Romans conquered. So we just slapped the cross on our shields and... Yeah, and away we, we go. Yeah, and yeah. he... The, the sad thing is he... The first battle I think he went into after that... I'm going... I'm totally going off of memory here. Mm-hmm. There was something... He saw that the night before he went to battle over some bridge. Mm. Um, and he saw the sign. He took it as a symbol of victory. They won the next day, and he said, all right, well, we're going to keep going, conquering in this sign and, you know, converting people to Christianity. So back mm-hmm. to my point. On face value, an outsider could look at the Crusades and say, yeah, Christianity is a cruel religion. They willfully caused pain or suffering to others. Mm. They're cruel. Yeah, 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 yeah. They did it on purpose. Their Bible tells them so. But... I think upon closer inspection, you would realize it's not a cruel religion whatsoever. Mm-mm. In fact, our Savior suffered cruelty at our hands to redeem us, to save us. The one that we worship, the one that we follow, we were cruel to him. Mm. We caused him great pain. Yeah, and suffering. True. That's true. And he willfully endured it because he knew that it would accomplish a great purpose. That was just an aside, but that was my, kind of my first reaction. Mm. I mean, I get that's it. That's good. I get it. I mean, it can appear that way. Christianity can appear very exclusive. Yeah. It can appear very bigoted. Um, but that's only on the surface. I agree. I think, I think often a lot of those ideas come up from misrepresentation. Yeah. Like I think people look at Christianity and say, okay, well, 
you know, it's violent past or it promotes guilt or penance. It's it's just, it's almost like this somehow it's like a low view of people, whatever people's thing is. But I think what actually happens is, and to be fair, sometimes when Christians don't behave like Christ, people look and be like, okay, well, this is what Christianity is all about. But if you actually look at what were the teachings of Jesus, what is the core things of the Christian faith compared to what are people practicing? Just example. If I say all Muslims want to kill everybody and um, what's it called? All Muslim men want to have nine-year-old women as wives. Right. I can say all. But the reality is, is that the truth? No. So on some sort of level, I have to have a wider spectrum for like, okay, well, what is Islam? Take into account their book, take into account the Hadith, take into account how these people behave compared to just saying, well, with Christians, we just know this one thing. So we just paint a wide brush. Um, If I were to say all white people are racist, is that true? No, there's some white people that are racist and there's people that are not. Are all black people lazy? No, there are some black people that are lazy and there's some people that are not. It's We can't paint a wide brush. Right. Um, and I know we wouldn't want to do it for other things and people don't do it for other things. No. But I think the fact that they do it for Christianity, it, it just shows where the mindset is when it comes to Christianity. Um, I think these are the same people that if you ask them, are all homosexuals pedophiles? They would say no. Yeah. And then you say, okay, well then not all Christians are cruel. Not all, like, as you said, the behavior of some Christians, even a lot of Christians, doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily reflect the core tenets of the teachings of Jesus and the apostles in the mm-hmm. New Testament, mm-hmm. Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I think... You have to go to the standard. What does the book actually say? Yeah. Like, even here, it definitely says, like, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Matthew 20, 22, 39, to con- consider others more important than yourself in Philippians, to correct others with gentleness, to be free from the love of money, to be patient and kind, to bear one another's burdens, to be compassionate and forgiving. It's like, this is what the book is actually saying. Yeah. So if you see a Christian that loves money, if you see a Christian that is not patient and is not kind, and they don't bear people's uh, one of those burdens, they're not compassionate, they're not forgiving. It's like, okay, well, do you characterize someone that says they're a Christian but don't behave like it? It's almost like saying, um, someone says, "Hey, I play basketball. I'm a professional basketball player." But when it's time to play a game, they come out wearing football gear. Yeah. Oh, but we're playing basketball. I know. I'm, I'm a basketball player. Well, you have a football helmet on. You have shoulder pads. You have the knee pad. You, like, you look like you're dressed to play another sport. Yeah. And I think anyone in their right minds would be like, yeah, he's not coming. He, he can't play basketball. He's not. There's some sort of difference between what the person is saying versus what the person is doing. Yes. And I think... If you're going to judge Christianity on that, that's something you should think about too. Like, okay, well, I know this is what the Bible says. I know this is what Jesus is like. Is this person do okay? Do I now judge the whole of the faith or do I judge that person? Right. That's and what it, should be done. Yeah. Also to debunk something here, 
more people died in the Vietnam War than died in the Crusades. Because mm-hmm. people have to say the Crusades were like the bloodiest time in human. It's like, no. I don't know if you, the time between World War One to the end of the Vietnam War, like, that was a pretty bad time. And none of those things had to do with faith. Zero. So I think that's something, when it comes to Christianity being cruel, I can understand why people, if the people were to ask, why are some Christians so cruel? Then I think that's actually more appropriate question. We can actually dive deep into that. But Christianity mm-hmm. is not cruel. Jesus is not cruel. The scriptures have cruel acts in them and shows what cruel what happens with cruel people, but the core of the Christian faith is not cruel. It's anything but like education, modern like the fact that just having everyone reading mm-hmm. that is Christian. The fact that you can open up a book and read it, the the very fact that that's even a thing that's common in our society. Yes, that came from Christians. That came from Christianity. The fact that when you break a bone, you can go to a hospital and someone can set it for you. Or if you have a sickness that they they can give you antibiotics and making sure you're taken care of. That is a Christian thing. Now, maybe people might not be Christians in there. The organizations might not be Christian. But without Christianity, modern education, modern science, modern hospitals, like like those uh, principles that keep those things afloat are Christian ideals. Absolutely. So if you want to call Christianity cruel, then you would, it's just what evidence do you have to back that up? And I don't think you really have any evidence besides the behavior of specific people. Exactly. Or, and, and even, even if you go to the Crusades, that was still the behavior of a specific person that was very powerful at the time that wielded a lot of authority and influence. Mm-hmm. With Constantine, mm-hmm. um, but it was still his individual act and what he misinterpreted, and how he understood that sign of the cross and what he did in response to it. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. Everything that we enjoy in our country today mm-hmm. is because of Christianity. Yes, you might not like what the Christians did when they came over here to settle this land and the interactions they had with First Nations and and all that sort of thing. But they came over here with Judeo-Christian values and built a society on those things, and it has lasted this long because it is the best way to build a society, to build a culture. Not only that, but because they built it on Judeo-Christian values, eventually the errors that they came around with corrected itself because of the ideals. Yeah. So Martin Luther King, when the civil rights movement, they weren't, they were quoting the Bible, but they were pointing back to the actual constitution. They were putting, pointing back to what the founding fathers were talking about. So these men were flawed. They were arid. They'd made a lot of mistakes, but because they said, how do we put the standard of, Scripture, how do we put the standard of God's values and weave it through our society? Even the errors that they made, eventually people can look back on their teachings and say, we have to correct even them. Yeah. Um, and even the fact of standing up and listening to people that are through a, a lens of justice, that this is wrong, 
and it needs to be made right to even have a society that would want to listen yeah. to that you nailed it that is a christian ideology yeah Yes, there were times where there were uprisings and people protesting all throughout history. But guess what? Before Christianity, you know what they did to all them? They just slaughtered them. We just kill everyone. We'll kill everybody. If it's 2,000, we'll kill them. Yeah. If it's 10,000, we'll crucify all of you. All of you are dead. Done. But now, when, we, when, when, when people march, when people protest, to have a government say, okay, if they're doing this, this is something we have to sit back and think, why are they doing mm -hmm. that? The fact that that is even there, the fact that people can pro have a right to protest peacefully without the government doing foolishness, like the fact that that even happens is because of Christianity. Yeah. You take out Christianity, none of what we're saying, what the freedoms that you're enjoying would literally exist. Yeah. There's no protests. There's no, you, you can't have diversity, inclusion. You can't have any of that. No. Unless the Christian faith said, we should make room for people that are different. It's only the Christian faith where that ideology was birthed into the whole world. Yeah. Never before. Yeah. And only because. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. And as you see um, institutions abandoning Judeo-Christian principles, yeah. you see the slow erosion of our freedoms and our... Um, Mm-hmm. Like our, our God-given uh, human rights. Yeah. We see those things being violated. Exactly. And, and taken from us. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, whatever anyone thinks about the trucker convoy, I mean, never before has there been that response to that kind of protest. Exactly. In our country. Nope. But because Judeo-Christian values are being set aside, called things like cruel and bigoted and things like that, they're 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 setting them aside, and we will see the the erosion. Yes, of all the things that we think are other than that, a hundred percent. And that's are, the way it works. But they are because of that. Exactly. Like, and and again, I think some people might hear this and might not really get it, but. Think about all the kind of freedoms that you have. If you have a disagreement with the government, you can vote. Democracy, how to make sure that we should put laws in place that give people rights, or even the fact that we put laws in place that give only certain people rights, but then eventually those same people can, other people can protest, and then there's a conscious decision on behalf of the people with power to then give them rights. All of that is literally yeah. because of Christianity. If you take out Christianity, there is no conscience to the people in power to say, we should do this because there is a God that judges. Right. So we, sh yeah, every human being should be treated a certain way, even down to the people with the least amount of money that has the least amount of social stand um, standing. Outside of that, if you look at every other culture that hasn't really, Christianity hasn't taken hold and changed, they still have systems in place where it's like, it's very divided and divisive. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at um, places where there's still Hinduism is, is a strong, like people, you can protest, you can do it, but like what, what system does that religion uphold? Is it, is it, is there equity, equity, is there uh, people being treated as equals 
is like it's just not there. That's right. If you look at Islam, the places where Islam has a stronghold, as in like it's the state religion, so to speak, do we see that there? No, we don't. Look at older faiths. Do we like, Buddha, do we see that that we don't? So the reality is, you can hate it, you can say what you want to say, but you're standing on the very shoulders of the movement that Jesus started. Absolutely, one hundred percent. That's just what it is. You're standing on the shoulders of the movement Jesus started. You might not be a Christian, but you're still living off of the effects of what Christians have done. Absolutely. You could say, well, hey, well, you know what? That was great. Thanks that, that they, I'm glad they did it, but we don't need it now. That's fine. But as you said, take away those rights. Take away that ideology. The, the ideology is what holds up the rights. Yes. All human beings are created equal. That's it. And they're created equal because there's a book and a God that says that it's true, that that is above every human being and every institution yes. on the planet. But once you take away God and his book, what is actually holding up that every human being is created equal? No one actually believes that. If there's governments that don't really believe that, then they'll start operating in certain ways, passing laws. Um, you know, creating even bylaws, all these things to to actually pass by that thought. So it comes to a place like now nah, we can't. Re yeah, no, there is a difference between you and me. There is a difference in value yeah. between myself and another human being. That's why a lot of the issues are because there's just a difference in value. People that are powerful that. Uh, do weird things with their money and, and break laws, they can get away with things comparatively to people that are just like the truckers and whatnot. They don't have the social standing to protect themselves. Well, we can crack down. For example, Justin Trudeau in the We Day situation. Yeah. Look at how corrupt that situation went. All of that and the outcome of that versus the outcome of truckers. Yeah. Biggest difference, people that have influence, people that have power, yep. people that didn't, don't have influence, don't have power, but tried to gather together to have that. Okay, well, because those people on some sort of level aren't seen that have the same value. One trucker as a human being has the same exact value yes. as Justin Trudeau, which is the prime minister. If that ideology is not there, then of course... The people with power can do what they want to do, and the people without can't. Yeah. But the only thing that puts the every human being is made in the image of God and has equal value is the Christian yeah. ideology. Oh, I mean, I'm thinking of Jesus' words when he said the way of the Gentiles is that they lord over their subjects. Yes. Not so with you. Mm. That's a, a, like a direct quote from Jesus, who we're following. Yes. Yeah, we're named after him, right? Mm -hmm. Christian. Mm -hmm. So again... That's the ideology. We don't lord authority over those uh, who have less authority, less status, less money, uh, less ability. Mm -hmm. We're all equal. Exactly. You take that away. You take God's law out of there. You take, uh, you know, all the things that he has instituted. Mm -hmm. You get rid of that. You circumvent that. And society crumbles, man. Empires fall. And just to finish up on this point here, like... Paul says there's no Jew, no Gentile, male, female. Even in this days, we, there's no uh, black person, white person, cis, 
get like these divisions that we create. Yeah. They don't exist in the kingdom of God because all of those are done and we're actually one in Christ. Yeah. All of us are part of and united as one body. That's what the Christian idea is supposed to be. That's why people from different faiths, from different languages, different skin colors, that one person can come from Nigeria and the other person can come from London, England, and another person can come from Calcutta, and another person can come from Brazil, come together in a church body and worship, love each other, and be united mm. is because the underlying thing that unites us is not our gender, not our, our language, not our skin color, but the fact that we're saved by Jesus Christ by grace through faith. That is what actually unites us. So that's why Christianity is all over the world. Versus yeah. other religions that are mainly still housed where they were started. Christianity is all over the map. It's because it's actually open for every single person. And because of the spirit changing that person's heart, they now know, even though I don't, you speak a different language, you're different, we have different upbringings, we're still united in Christ. That is something the culture cannot replicate. No. You cannot replicate it because you have no uniting factor. And for the believers, for Christians, there's an eternal uniting factor was the sealing of the Holy Spirit. That we are now partakers of the divine nature. So that is what actually ties us together. Mm. That you can't, you can't make up. Like you can try to do what the United States does is like you have like your core tenets and every once in a while you, you, you create a, a common enemy to galvanize the people. But because Canada is not like that, like, what are you going to do? Like, not everyone is going to get with that program. So, yeah, I think we're just increasing the likelihood of segregation. But only the Christian church, the Christian ecclesia, God's people can truly experience, like, beautiful unity yeah. that the, the world just cannot replicate or create, you know, so. I'm willing to submit to that. <laughs> You're willing to buy that one? Yeah. Okay, sweet. Absolutely. Sweet, 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 sweet. It's amazing. Yeah, that's good. Man, this is good for the first episode, eh? I thought it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. I think we, uh, as we can, I think we talked longer than we planned, but I like this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a full, con I feel like we had the full conversation yeah. rather than cutting it off. Yeah, you know. Anyways, really hope y'all like it. Tune in next time to the gospel submission. Thank you.